just commenting on some of the news. I don't know what y'all pay attention to or not, but Washington, D.C., um, the, the people that work there in the media are obsessed with the comings of and goings of people in government, mm-hmm. and nobody in real life pays attention to it. Nobody. Right. So you might not know this. Maybe you do if you're really a news junkie, but they got a, a new DNI. You don't know what that is. I'll, I'll bet you couldn't get one in 20 people that could tell you what the DNI is. Mm. And you couldn't come up with one in 100 that could have told you who the last guy was. He's still the current guy, but the guy that's leaving. Right. But Washington, D.C., it's all oh, big deal, breaking news. A guy you've never heard of is leaving a department you don't pay attention to. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit with Deborah J. Saunders, the White House correspondent for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And the, real, the reason we love talking to Deborah so much is that she's a real human being who's lived a real life and is not merely a lifelong uh, denizen of the Beltway. Deborah, how are you? Fine. I wrote about John Ratcliffe today, the new DNI. Oh, yeah. It's important. Um, are you on a speaker or something? We can barely hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, no. I'm, is this better? Oh, it's way better. Yeah. I was so bad. I was so bad. Um, so in the, yeah, okay. you know, post 9-11 era, having intelligence and the rest of it, we're all hip to that. And it's important in the rest of it. But how, how much of an adjustment period was it when you got to D.C. Uh, to deal with everybody's self-obsession? Uh, oh, because that, that never happens in the Bay Area. <laughs> oh, that's right. Deborah, for years, the uh, token conservative, the San, San Francisco Chronicle. But you got to admit, D.C. is its own weird beast. Uh, I would say that there are people here who feel that if they are not here, the world will fall apart in a way that you don't see in other places. That, mm. that, there, that there are people who put a lot of stock in the fact that they are they have a place in the establishment, and that is a problem. But the John Radcliffe story is important for a few reasons. Dan, we, we want to have somebody who sees real problems to our national security and will tell Donald Trump that he sees them, even if Donald Trump doesn't want to hear it, right? Sure. So... And Dan Coats was known to do that. He disagreed with Trump on Russian interference in the 2016 election. He's made it clear he doesn't believe that North Korea will not denuclearize, despite their uh, nice sessions in Singapore and Vietnam and and now at the DMZ. Um, But... Uh, and so he's been someone who's been willing to say that. And so now you have this guy, John Ratcliffe. Most people in the intelligence community don't really know him. And Trump picks him a couple days after this guy basically uh, gives a thumping to special counsel Robert Mueller as he's testifying before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. And there's a belief in Washington, gee, I don't know why, that maybe Trump picked him because he liked the way that John Radcliffe treated uh, Robert Mueller. Sort of like the way he picked uh, Ronnie Jackson to be VA secretary because he liked the way Ronnie Jackson dealt with the media when he talked about Trump's physical. But this uh, the Ratcliffe guy is reasonably intelligent. He was a prosecutor, the rest of it. So, you know, I guess we see. Does he have to get approved by the Senate? Yes, he does. And that okay. could be an issue. So Mitch McConnell puts out a statement, doesn't really say anything about Ratcliffe. Burr's pretty, uh, uh, Senator uh, Burr, uh, who's on the Intelligence Committee ranking, uh, the, the top Republican, he, he's lukewarm, it seems. And so a lot of people are afraid. The one, the one position you don't necessarily want to have a big Trump loyalist is DNI. You you want the guy who is sitting, who is who, who is ahead of all those intelligence agencies, to be able to look at Trump and tell him stuff he doesn't want to know. And that's that's the Washington take. And it's it's perhaps more universal than it should be, but it's not without reason. 
So trying to figure out, again, what we should talk about and what we shouldn't, it would seem that the idea of uh, fiscal conservatism is just is, is just gone. It's just dead. It's just it's not a thing anymore. It's not part of the Republican Party. Uh, what's your read, uh, given the last week or so in which, well, they threw open the gate? There's actually more domestic spending in this and a bigger increase in domestic spending than there was under Obama. It's just incredible the way Republicans who were such fiscal hawks when Barack Obama was president have completely abandoned the idea. And I mean, the reverse of that is I'm getting such a kick out of uh, particularly uh, media on MSNBC and, and CNN all of a sudden really seeming to care about the debt, which they never have. Yeah, but anyway, they, they don't care about the debt. They do not care about the debt. But but, you know, and the thing is, there's a reason this is happening. It's not just that the, the, the right is completely craven about spending. Some are, but not everyone. But what you have is you need to raise the debt ceiling in order to, for the U.S. government to pay its bills. And you need the House to do that. You need Democrats to do it. And Nancy Pelosi, I think, bargain got a pretty good bargain out of Donald Trump. And so uh, you've got this big increase in domestic spending, which Republicans had managed to fight off for a number of years. And now that's sort of done. And, I, I think uh, Trump just reading the room and I think he's right. I, I'm, I'm sad that he's right, but I think he just reads the room thinks people don't actually care about this. So I'm, right. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get this behind us so it doesn't become a thing and move on with other things that I care about. You and I think he's right. right people just that. don't care. I think you're right, and I and, and I think he re- he also read the room that this was not the that this was not the fight to go down with. Right. That this is not the issue that he should stake his presidency on. A lot of people understand this. Um, of course, Trump said the last time he passed a, a bill that increased spending, he would never do it again. Well, not quite. And there's talk that he will get tough uh, if and when he's reelected. But you, he's not. Let's face it. He did not campaign for the president as a person who was really going to uh, pare down federal spending. No. That was not his, his biggest thing. Immigration was a big thing. Well, to enforce immigration law costs money, right? And so uh, yeah, trade, trade is a big issue for him, and, and he's fighting on that. But, but those, when you think about the things that have really mattered to him, uh, I mean, let's face it. He built his empire on debt. That's how he became rich. He borrowed money, and he... Yeah, but the difference is in private enterprise, you have to pay it back eventually because you can't print your own, uh, at least not yet. Um, The Secret Service will come and talk to you if you try. Uh, Deborah J. Saunders, White House correspondent for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Deborah, great to talk to you. Thank you. Go go harass some elected official, would you? Or more likely an appointed official. Thanks, Deborah. So, yeah. Yeah, he did not run on it. There's very little constituency for it, fiscal responsibility. I mean, I would appreciate somebody really, you know, fighting on that hill, as they say. Um, I would respect it a great deal. But if I liked and respected that person, I would be very concerned that they were committing career suicide by doing that, which is it's a measure of the electorate. You know, it's a cliche and it's terrible and it's not always true. But to a large extent, we do get the government we deserve. My big caveat on that is that some of the smartest people in the world spend all their time trying to figure out how to game government and how to get rich off of it while nobody's looking. And they have upped their game. I mean, astounding achievements in gaming the government. I mean, on the level of penicillin and the Apollo mission, uh, that's how good the scammers are. Which is why we need, who's with me, monarchy now. 
When are we in our best moods and worst moods at any given time of day? Things we're most likely to lie about early in a relationship, and you had... Uh, what women are really looking for in a man. But uh, I tell you what, also, uh, the whole, the president yelling at Elijah Cummings being racism oh, may yeah. be the single yeah. stupidest, thinnest, most transparent, ridiculous, who could fall for it, example of that's racism. I've heard in the last 10 years. Yeah, if you haven't heard the Bernie Sanders angle of this, we have to hit you with that next, because it's it's something on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. is that America is the wealthiest country in the history of the world. But anyone who took the walk that we took, we took around this neighborhood would not think you're in a wealthy nation. You would think that you were in a third world country. That's racism. Clearly racism there. The president throwing on a New York accent or a New England accent briefly. Uh, spouting his racist nonsense. What's that now? That was Bernie Sanders. Oh, well, that was touching concern for the people of Baltimore and their travails and the Democrats wanting to reach out and make their lives better. I tell you what, this latest flap may be the dumbest of the dumb flaps yet. It, it, it's going to, if, if it has any effect, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know how you don't get this mainstream media. You just declare something uh, Trump said is racist. That I guarantee you most Americans don't think it's racist. If over half Americans didn't think the go back to the country you came from was racist, I guarantee it's more like 70% Americans don't think this is racist. This is just not. Um, But you declare it racist, you're helping Trump get reelected. Go ahead if you want. But that's what you're doing. That's what you're accomplishing. I would agree completely. People are just tuning out. Oh, it's racist. Okay, fine. All right, great. The idea that saying that part of Baltimore is crappy. It is crappy. The people there, it's home, and they express pride, if you ask them, right? But then they say, yeah, the schools are terrible. There are lots of rats, although I found out interestingly. Baltimore ranks number nine on the most rat-infested cities in America, surpassed by both New York and Chicago, which is number one. Washington, D.C. is actually more ratty than Baltimore. But it has the most murders Oh, yeah, it's got... Of any big city. And there's a reason The Wire and the TV show Homicide were set in Baltimore. Yeah. But I don't know. Why why am I even arguing about this? What Trump does is he attacks people who are attacking him. Sure. And he didn't do it because the guy's black. He did it because the guy's attacking him. And see, the problem... I don't even need to argue the point, I don't think, because I don't think many Americans are persuaded by that utterly ridiculous argument that... Criticizing Elijah Cummings and pointing out that his district has a lot of crappy neighborhoods is racist. I mean, he attacked him in the same way he attacked Adam Schiff. Trump attacked Adam Schiff and Marco Rubio and and and, and Jeb Bush and just, you know, a dozen other people. Rosie O'Donnell. So he's racist against fat, patrician, lesbian, Cuban, pencil-necked, white black, old, young Democrat Republicans, clearly. I mean, it's just there's nothing to the argument. So I don't really even feel the need to argue against it. What bothers me is some of your 
big name mainstream media guy saying the president's latest racist tweets against Elijah Cummings. It's just so dumb. You're so dumb. But it will get Trump reelected. When are we in our best moods? Right after my first glass of wine. That's pretty close to right. It doesn't mention wine. Oh, I wine. promise you it's right. But the time of day is probably right. 11 a.m. We're, <laughs> we're at our happiest between 6 and 9 p.m. on weekdays. I, I would agree. What is going on between 6 and 9 p.m. Mm. for most people? You're not at work! You're not at work! <laughs> Eating, perhaps drinking, and family. You're not at work anymore! The people you love. For most people, 6 o'clock is when you are farthest away from the next time you have to work. Exactly. Mm, well said. Exactly. On the weekends, we uh, start being our happiest around 11. You know why? Because they didn't have to work that day. <laughs> why are you Why are you so angry about being happy? Well, it's just so obvious what's going on here. Right, sure. And they don't point it out in this article. People are happiest during the times when they don't have to work. <laughs> That's funny. What are things that lift our uh, mood? Here are the top ten. Number one, you're supposed to start at the bottom, right? And count right. Great. Scott, man, that was a near fatal error. Number ten. Well, here's some that missed the top ten. The smell of fresh cut grass. Uh, I, I like it, but it, I don't know that it puts me in a good mood. It elevates my mood. I'll have to hear the rest of the list. Mumping in an old friend. Yeah. E- eating a home-cooked meal. Do, a lot of my old I friends have complaints. Yeah, did uh, I cook the home-cooked meal? Do I have meal? to clean up after? Right. <laughs> I made a whole thing of bacon last night because I'm going to be gone all day long today for work. And, and my son really wanted bacon. Oh, I see. He said, so I've been getting... craving cold bacon. He likes cold bacon that's really? in the fridge. So last night at like 10 ah, o'clock. Consistency's too weird. I, but who am I to tell I, the boy I, what to like? I fried up a whole thing of bacon. Yeah. The whole package. Oh, yeah. And put it in the fridge so he gets to wake up and have cold bacon for breakfast. Yeah, that's a good dad right he just, there. He sits there in his beanbag chair watching TV eating bacon. That's a life right there. That'd <laughs> make me happy. Got the world beat. <laughs> he does. Um, but, Winning. Um, pretty much your top 10. Put you in good mood. Number 10, having a snack. I'm doing that right now. Made me happier having a snack. Number nine, flowers in bloom. I like them all right. Doesn't change my mood any. Uh, number eight, sounds of bird chirping. Shut up! Oh, wow. <laughs> I tweeted about this. I went out to have a cup of coffee Saturday morning, uh, listening to the birds a chirping. Whoopperwill, whoopperwill. And that's when my neighbors had their gardeners over, who weed whacked for 10 minutes and then blew for like 20. Does this guy get paid per, like, square cubic foot of air or however you'd measure it? Just the blowing went on and on the and on. worst sound. Oh, man. I, I wanted to commit an act of violence. Uh, Glad put, I didn't. Puts it in his... I mean, Rand Paul's neighbor might over lawn care, but I'm not. <laughs> that was a bird right there. Whoop will Look up here. Number seven, good weather on the weekend. Number six, getting a hug. Yeah, that's nice. Number five, finding money in your pocket. That's oh. better than getting a... Mm. I remember back in the day, finding money in my pocket was just like, oh my God, there's a $20 bill in my pants. 20 Oh my God. Talking to a Rockefeller here. Uh, number four, getting a compliment. Number three, going for a walk. Number two, when the sun comes out. Dang. That's uh, Seattleites, Portlanders. Mm. I've never been affected that much by clouds or sun, but like my wife really is. Uh, number one, a good night's sleep. That's what puts us in good mood. Wow. So get a good night's sleep. Wow. Have a snack. That's a little tip somebody. Right there. Listen to the birds. <laughs> Lay down in a beanbag chair and eat bacon. Yeah. Eat some cold bacon. Mm, yep. Wait for the sun to come out. And if the uh, guy is blowing his blower too long, you just take out a pellet gun and put one in his thigh. <laughs> 
It's the little, you know what? I've said it a hundred times. You have to have disincentives for bad behavior. Mm. It's simply a, you know, all right, I'm not saying I'm going to do that. I'm not saying I have done that. I'm not saying I would do that. But if you don't turn that blanking thing off, what are you blowing now? What is there, one blade of grass? I'll come over there. I'll crawl around. I'll pick it up. Turn it off. like the size of a tennis court. That's it. In Vegas, I'm staying at uh, one of the big casinos in Vegas. I'm in bed. Got in late with my son. Hooker's Um, next to you. Is she breathing? We don't know. My son's actually next to me. We're having a very wholesome Vegas trip. But. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Fade to, uh, fade to the casino. Ching, 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 ching. My phone goes ding at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I look. This is your friendly uh, computer concierge from the hotel to let you know if you want anything. I left them the worst review you could possibly get. You're, you're waking people up at 7 o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas? Yes. To ask them if they want anything? Yes. Anything you're before crazy. you go to bed? <laughs> you're crazy. Right, exactly. <laughs> you're awake. What do people do when they're awake in Vegas? Oh, they got a bad review out of huh? me. Oh, I'm sure they're regretting that. Marshall's <laughs> News. They'll probably close the casino. Next. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Because I'm a weirdo, I'm actually excited about two nights of debates. Not as much about tonight as tomorrow night. I think Biden with uh, Cory Booker on one side and Kamala Harris on the other is going to be something. I mean, she she's made it clear that she's willing to go after the guy in the lead. Right. And you've got desperation in the mix now. Oh, no doubt. So I'm not saying it's going to be any good. But it could be. Tonight could be just a, a laundry list of communist proposals. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the news now, Marshall Phillips. Another debate night in America tonight. 20 presidential candidates getting ready to rumble in the second round of those Democratic debates. The uh, debates set in Detroit both tonight and tomorrow night. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders and Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren taking center stage this evening. Leading the candidates on Wednesday, former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris, a rematch from the first debate when Harris went after Biden over his opposition, as we pointed out, to busing in the 1970s. <laughs> Biden wow, gave her it? a brief boost in the polls, and then she went back to where she was, and he went back to where he was. Yeah. Thank goodness the Missouri Compromise is already settled in the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act <laughs> so they could move on to busing in the 70s. What now? So it's on CNN. Yes. You got Wolf Blitzer, Jake Tapper, and yep. Don Lamont yes. are going to be the uh, yes. the people. And so you got two news people and one heavily, you know, opinion person, which is not usually the way networks do it. Anyway. Speaking of desperation, CNN. Um, and what time does it start? The New York Times said it starts at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Correct. It starts at that early? Correct. Yes. Okay. I'm sure Don Lamont said, I'd really like to be on that stage. Well, Don, we, we really want news anchor. Is this an anti-gay thing? All right, get on the stage. Joe Biden was uh, asked yesterday. What did you mean when you said you're not going to be as polite in the next debate? I'm going to fart. Clearly. We'll see. Kamala. Uh, I may break wind. I don't know. That was, that was an old man coming up with a very slow, 
Not particularly good answer. Right. Which you might see of more tomorrow night. I'm, I guarantee you will. Joe will remind everybody, oh, yeah, that, that first debate, that was not an outlier. He is kind of way past his prime. Right. I'm telling you, he takes it in the chops again, this, this coming debate. Worth mentioning again that the latest poll that is out just today, Biden's up 12 points since yep. right after the last debate. Over Whatever. Liz Warren, Whatever. Right? He's at he's at thirty four. Elizabeth Warren is at fifteen, so he's doubled up the number two. But everybody else is pretty much flat. Yeah. Pamela went back down. Biden went back up. Kind of where we were before the last debate. Maybe nothing matters anymore. Maybe debates don't matter. Hearings don't matter. Maybe nothing has any effect on anything. Now he's getting it. <clears throat> nothing really matters. Anyone can see. Right. Meanwhile, Sean, Con- Sean really wants to point this out yes. since Wolf Blitzer is one of the debate questioners. Yes, please. Yes. Wolf, what is Fettuccine? No. Wolf, what is uh, Jerusalem? No. Wolf, what is a defendant? No. Wolf, anodated? No. Wolf, what is a crash? No. He finished Celebrity Jeopardy with negative dollars. Right. The children's Dummy. version of the trivia game, he had negative money. Right. <laughs> right. And, and a, a way negative. Andy Wolf. Blitzer is a half-wit. Andy Richter was the champion on that episode. <laughs> as far as uh, being polite, Kamala Harris, for her part, is saying, My mother raised me to be polite, and I intend to be polite. There you go. Her She's mom. way more giggly than most presidential candidates. I, I think she has no principles, uh, though she has, I disagree with mostly, um, but she's likable. She's, she's charming and natural. She doesn't poll as likable. I was going to talk about that later. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the giggly stuff, she should bring out more of that on the debate stage. Like Hillary did when they told her, you should loosen up and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when she went on like three shows in a row? <sighs> right. And obviously, clearly had been told to laugh and appear more human? Kamala Harris actually sounds like a giggly, happy person. She yeah. genuinely does. Hillary could not pull it off. Kamala Kamala didn't have to Google what his laughing sound like. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders is getting a bit of a boost from rap superstar Cardi B. Jump! (laughs) She teamed up with Bernie to make a 2020 campaign video meant to appeal to young people. After arriving... Marxist Claus meets the stripper. Fabulous. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just didn't know... Oh my God! After arriving at a nail salon in Detroit, did she the... lure him to a hotel and slip something into his drink and roll him? Isn't that what she did for? <laughs> I'm feeling unsteady on my feet. <laughs> Why am I so disoriented all of a sudden? I can't see with my right eye. <laughs> <laughs> after arriving at the, you nail... wake up and your Communist Party card is missing from your wallet. Exactly. After arriving at the nail salon in Detroit where the video was being filmed, Sanders said he and Cardi B had been talking about a range of issues over the weeks, including canceling student debt, climate change, and raising the minimum wage. Cardi, for her part, had tweeted about Sanders saying, I've been reading about Bernie Sanders, and I'm really sad how we let him down in 2016. This man has been fighting for equal rights, human rights, for such a long time. Well, you might as well throw busty stri- or, or, uh, stripper rappers into the mix. Why not? Bernie Sanders at a nail salon with Cardi B. I don't well, policies, whatever. He is one of my favorite political candidates in the history of politics. He's fascinating. He yeah, but he his called, way. He called Baltimore a third world country, though, and that's really yeah. racist.
Now, in case you need justification for a glass of red, red wine tonight, here it is. University of Buffalo researchers looked at mice and found that resveratrol, which is found in the skin of grapes, blocked an enzyme that causes depression and anxious behavior. Hmm. I, I, I found myself to be less depressed and anxious when I drink wine. Yes. yes. Well, you know, a handful of grapes uh, is, is good, too. I mean, if it's about the skin, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, we, you skim the skin out of wine unless we, you drink yeah. your wine chunky stuff. Do we have to call it skin? Yes. Skin peel? Peel's fine. Yeah, there skin. you go. Skin peel. Great yeah. film. Let's not call it skin. <laughs> hmm. A fun grape hack, put them in the freezer for uh, about 10, 15 minutes right. and then just eat them on a summer thing and a little cold that treat there for you. Oh, yeah. Delicious. Charming. There Texas Chainsaw Massacre over here wants to talk about skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've heard of people who freeze grapes and use them as uh, ice cubes in wine to cool yeah. off the wine. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah I kind of like it. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Prevents the ice from melting and watering down the wine as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly the point. Uh, speaking of doing it. And you can make a suit out of the grape skins. <laughs> And wear it. And lampshade. Oh, boy. Joe's got lampshades made out of grape skins. (laughs) You turn on the light, the hotter it gets, the more delicious it smells. Oh, boy. God, (laughs) So we've got this giant poll on what women really look for in a partner. And a man who did it his way his whole life and is still doing it that way. It's his birthday today. Oh, a loving tribute to Arnold. Exactly. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Arnold Schwarzenegger's birthday. We thought we would play for you this loving tribute from a comedian about Arnold Schwarzenegger on his birthday. You know, I think it is. I think it comes down to the way he talks. You know? That dude should be unloading trucks in Transylvania. That should be, that should have been the height of his success. But because he's a great man, he had the balls to move to America. Became famous for lifting weights. I lift weights, nobody gives a <laughs> He lifts weights, ah, 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 becomes super famous. Did he rest on his laurels? No, next challenge. I'm gonna become an actor, despite the fact that nobody can really understand me. <laughs> Against all odds, he starts making movies. Get down, there's a bomb, get out of there. <laughs> becomes one of the biggest blockbuster stars of all time. What are you going to do next, Arnie? I think I'm Maddie Kennedy. There's no f***ing way you can do that. Bam, he does it. <laughs> Cherry on top. I'm running for governor of a state I can't even pronounce, and he wins the election. And then, uh, what's, who's that young firebrand, Sean, the comedian? Uh, that is Bill Burr, one of Bill the... Bill Burr. So, and then he goes on to make a charming little joke about Arnold betting his own maid in his own bed and thinking he could get away with it. But it was a tad racy. Yes. But, uh, one of the reasons I want to play that on Arnold's birthday, I actually first heard this from uh, John and Ken Radio guys we like in Los Angeles. They were talking about Arnold many years ago, and I had not thought of it this way until they brought it up. They actually brought it up because um, there, there was some show in L.A. at the time, and it showed Arnold riding his bike the wrong way down a, a street in Venice Beach or something like that. And they just get, and and they pointed out how he does whatever he wants all the time. That has been his yes. key to success. So if you are smart and talented and are and have no concern for other people's well beings, your family, your partners, your nothing, 
you can go really, really far. And that, and that's yes. what he's done. He's done exactly what benefits him at every point in his life. I think and yes. he, would be, he really may be completely amoral. Yeah. He is endowed with more ambition than 99.9% of human beings on Earth, and he feels no need to temper it. Yeah, and I've known a few people that were kind of like this, but they, 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 didn't, they didn't have the smarts or talent to like you know make it turn into what Arnold turned it into. Biggest movie star in the world, governor of the biggest state twice, Marion Kennedy, all that stuff. The whatever, Mr. Universe 15 times or whatever he was. Yeah. But, um... I've noticed some people like that, and and part of their amorality is they think you're nuts for having concerns about husbands, wives, kids, bosses, friends, the law, anything like that. Promised voters. Yeah, they 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 think there's something wrong with you for why do you let that stuff hold you back? Right. A guy like Arnold looks at the rest of the world and thinks. You idiots doing, you know, worried about other people's feelings or playing by the rules. Look what you can become if you throw off all that responsibility. Right. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of what I used to tell my soccer players sometimes when they were whining about the refs and and how they weren't calling the rules the way they understood them. And I would make it clear, listen, the rules are what the ref is calling. I mean, if if they're if he's he she it is letting the other team knock you down, that's the rules today. Get with it. And Stop Arnold's, whining. Arnold's, I'm not whining. This is the opposite of whining. Um, and Arnold's attitude is, listen, they're not actually going to put me in jail for this stuff. I can get away with this. So well, I would not. And I don't know. It's probably unfair to say. But I don't think he was. he's hurt by what went on with his family. He's bothered he got caught because that made things more complicated. Mm. But I think he feels like I did what I wanted to do when I did it. That's the way I live my life. Well, why did Maria go for Arnold back in the day? Perhaps he exhibited some of the traits that women look for in a partner, Jack. Good transition. Thank you. Yes. The interesting Thank part. Thank you, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, you know, I'm going to start with the uh, the end. Because I'm contrary, and I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm like Arnold. <laughs> Which trait is very important when choosing a partner? Number one, kindness. 88.9% kindness. Wow. And then the similar supportiveness. About 72% said intelligence, 64 and a half down to education, and 60% confident. Confidence. So if you're confident and kind... I mean this. You got it going on. I mean this sincerely. Is hot on the list because that seems to be wrong, Jack. Which proves women are liars. This is a uh, a couple of companies and universities got together and, and did this survey of sixty four thousand women around the world, which renders some of the answers irrelevant. Some poor gal in Saudi Arabia just praying that her husband doesn't beat her too much is probably looking for different qualities than some uh, uh, some Chiquita in the Bronx looking for uh, a lumberjack-looking hipster who actually has some muscles like a lumberjack <laughs> and not linguini arms like a hipster. Um, so, again, it's all about kindness. But uh, Thinnest neck I've ever seen. Joe's working the physical angle on people. Exactly. Neck like a soda straw. Not a long ball hitter. What percentage of women? Again, this is many countries. Uh, primary, uh, oh, what's, is this very important? Your partner's desire to parent. 46% said yes. 
46% of women of all sexual orientations said a potential partner's desire to parent is very important. Hmm. Women want to be moms. A lot of them. Well, most women do. Um, it's few women who said ethnic or religious similarity are important traits in a long-term partner. Only about 25%. Again, if you're asking gals in Saudi Arabia, they'd better pick a Muslim or they'll be put to death. Likewise, Somalia and Iran and Pakistan and Afghanistan and and most Muslim countries on earth. <laughs> if she's a Muslim. That's uh, you know, people don't check that box, but most people marry within their own ethnicity and faith. Correct. Uh, faith is not as big a deal as it used to be. Most people just kind of automatically do that. I think it's so automatic you wouldn't even think about it. Right. Now, the whole ethnic similarity thing, I think it was it's barely 10% said that is an important trait. But look around you, it clearly happens. Well, right. And and the funny thing is, I remember, you know, back when I was a kid, people would talk a lot more about, yeah, this Italian guy or this, uh, this Irishman or a WAP or, you know, Polak or whatever. And nobody cares about that stuff anymore. People want tribes. They want divisions. And when America was even more white than it is now, it was what? Uh, where were your grandparents from? Right? You know, are they one of those things I mentioned, or uh, you know, a dozen different other ethnicities right. that have come in waves? Most people were white, so you had to break it down even further. Just like all those people killing each other in the Middle East look exactly the same, right? And and have the same core religion. You know, maybe the Shia versus uh, Sunni thing. Still but... have to find a way to divide yourselves. Yeah. So anyway, uh, when it comes to physical features, an attractive smile. It, by the way, if the kids are uh, listening, perhaps now would be a great time to put in your Rafi. Uh, Tape. People still listen to Rafi? What's Rafi? Or Baby Shark. Baby oh, Beluga. Baby Shark. Who's Rafi? What's Rafi? Rafi's the Led Zeppelin of non-threatening children's music. Mm. When it comes to physical features, an attractive smile is important, more important than anything else, including genitals. For both heterosexual and homosexual women. Did you did you put that in there for comedic? No, that's but in that's there. I'm just reading. I would never do that, Jack. Including genitals. Yes. For both hetero and non-hetero women, an attractive smile and attractive eyes were the most important physical features sought in a long-term partner. Yeah, I, I, yeah. For hetero women, right after smile and pretty eyes is an average-sized penis, which was (laughs) considered more desirable than a large penis. I don't. Oh, that's that's kind of interesting. Women with more sexual experience were more likely to place a higher importance on Wang size. Yeah, I don't know. Just having sat around in a lot of bars listening to a lot of women talk loose-lipped after drink, that just doesn't seem to be that big a deal. Short hair, large hands, an attractive back, muscular arms, and facial hair were the next physical features most frequently selected as desirable. That's why most of my going-out shirts are all backless. Hairy. That's, that's a good policy. Hairy arms and muscular faces, is that what you said? Short hair, large <laughs> Never mind. For women who identified as a lesbian, gay, or homosexual... Short hands and large hair. Exactly. <laughs> the next most desirable physical features after a nice smile. Average breasts, average buttocks. I have average breasts. Attractive back again. And long hair in that order. I've never heard a woman say, look at the back on that guy. Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, that's there. Keep it because you're walking you away when they say it. Because you got a soft, <laughs> flabby back. They don't want to embarrass you. Flab back. <laughs> flabby, hunched over. Is ear hair on that list? <laughs> Women love that, as long as it's carefully styled. Uh, how important is financial security mm. when choosing a partner? Uh, gals in Japan, 
Uh, two-thirds of gals in Japan said that's very important. U.S. is down at 59% and only 34% in France, probably because the government is, you know, they're socialist, so who cares hmm. um, to a large extent. Uh, let's see, anything else? Education, eh, it's fairly Arm important. hair? Was that actually one? What? Oh, muscular arms. Yes, yes. Yeah. And an attractive back. You and your backless shirts. <laughs> That's great. Sometimes the dress codes, the bouncers give me a hard time, but I can usually work my way past yeah. that. You yeah. you wear more halter tops than most guys do. I say, no, this is cla- this costs $200. <laughs> right. It's just a front with like a spaghetti strap around the neck. It's your opinion. You have no culture, sir. To show off your back. Everybody's wearing this in Paris, idiot. So I hope that helped a whole bunch of people there. That's right. So don't don't worry about your genitals, fellas. Worry about your smile and back. So a guy, a guy who helped Barack Obama get elected, is saying you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong to the candidates. Got that coming up, among other things. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> 